Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here tonight to share my story. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Canada. I'm recovered today, but not cured, and I'm very grateful um, to be here and to be part of this great fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. So I've been a compulsive eater my whole life. I don't remember a time when I wasn't running towards the food or running away from the food. I was... Um, when I was eating, I, I, I wasn't enjoying it. And what, 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 when I was enjoying my food, I wished I wasn't eating it. Like I never ate a bite and either didn't feel guilty about it or um, every everything I ate was, was laden with so much uh, emotion and um, pain. Uh, I was a very, uh, you know, I was an overweight child growing up and that was very hard. Um, I was overweight my whole life until I came to Overeaters Anonymous in my late 30s. And one of the three things that characterized my childhood um, was the pain, the shame, and the hopelessness of, of what I was going through. So pain, for, for sure, I had because, you know, it's no fun growing up as a fat child. And I can tell you that, especially in those days, there were so many things I couldn't wear. They didn't have clothes for really for fat children. I was wearing, like like, you know, big adult sizes when I was a kid. And then when I was a teenager, the big adult sizes didn't fit me anymore. So I, I wear sometimes like men's sweaters because they're extra large. It's like bigger than a lady's extra large. And um, there were many activities as a, you know, younger child that I wasn't able to um, take part in. And that was very painful for me. Um, and the other aspect was the shame of, of my situation. So I was ashamed of being fat. I was ashamed of taking up so much room. I was always afraid to sit in this chair or that chair, thinking that it might break. And one of the reasons for my shame is because there seemed to be this idea among other people that if I, uh, you know, would really try, that I would be able to lose weight and stop eating. So people often misjudged me as um, incapable or unwilling or undisciplined because I wasn't able to control my food. And the truth of the matter is, is that I kind of asked myself the same question. Like, Esther, why can't you stop eating? It's, it's pretty clear what you need to do to lose weight. Just eat less. Why can't you eat less? And the truth of the matter is, I didn't know why I couldn't have less. I wasn't able to eat less and to be satisfied with less. And the last part of you know, growing up and into my early adulthood was the hopelessness of my disease. Like, imagine having this problem and not being able to make sense of my problem with the food and not knowing where when it was going to end. Like, here I was at the, at the you know, the, the ready point, ready to go out there into the world as a, you know, as a young adult, everything ahead of me, um, you know, nice family, uh, uh, enough capabilities to do things, and everything in life was colored by the food, every every aspect of my life. At that time, I married and, and started a family. And, you know, one of the things I thought was, look, I know what it takes to lose weight. You just got to eat less. So if I'm not able to lose weight, then it must be something in my head, right? Um, I'm not missing any science information, right? There must be some reason why I need to eat. So I figured now's a good time to go to therapy. So I started about 10 years of on and off going to therapists and 
nutritionists and holistic practitioners, and I must tell you that they're very useful for many people, but they did not help me figure out how to stop eating. So one of the things I started to see as my family grew is that just about every aspect of my life was affected by the food. So of course my health was terrible. I already had a chronic um, immune system disorder and the the uh, a large amount of extra weight that I was carrying made it worse to the point that in my early 30s, I had to walk with a cane. I couldn't really walk for very far without... Um, you know, being able to lean on something. So I only went shopping in places that had shopping carts. I couldn't go to the mall because in the mall you just got to walk and I couldn't walk so far and I was too embarrassed to take my cane. So no, I, I think it was like six or seven years I, I never went to a mall unless I knew like I could park, you know, real close to the store. So my physical health wasn't good. My emotional state was terrible. I was kind of out of control, um, getting angry at, at everyone in my family, just not providing the happy home that I had wanted to. Um, spiritually, I had a higher power, but felt very disconnected. Vocationally, educationally, like I didn't finish school, I barely started. I wasn't really able to hold down a job. Um, just somehow I couldn't make, you know, a go of anything. And feeling bad about myself, feeling um, I you know, wasn't able to, like I had so much to give and somehow couldn't figure out a way to, you know, make myself a happy life. So every aspect of my life was affected. And and yet I couldn't understand, like, what's the connection between all this and the food, right? So um, I did try to go to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And the first meeting I went to in like the mid-80s, so I went to a room with a lot of heavy people who were complaining about, about their problems. So I thought, well, they're fat. I'm fat. They haven't. Doesn't don't, doesn't seem like they've got anything that I want. So I didn't go back. And then a few years later, I tried again, and then I heard someone talk about like sugar and flour, and I thought, oh, that's a cool trick. So I, that's what I did. I went home and I eliminated those foods from my from my food plan, and lo and behold, I was able to lose weight. But that for sure didn't last. And I would say probably for the next five or six years, I would do that. I'd go on diets, off diets, and, and and that trick of like getting off sugar and flour, which is something I'd heard in OA, worked really, really well until it didn't work, right? Until the stretches of being, you know, abstinent, which I didn't call myself abstinent, but, you know, eliminating those foods grew smaller and smaller, and the stretches where I was in the food grew bigger and bigger. Until one day, um, because of a sequence of events, um, I ended up back in the rooms of OA. At the time, I had children at home, so I couldn't really get to, you know, any face-to-face -face meetings, so I started attending telephone meetings. And, I don't know, someone gave me a number of a telephone meeting, and it was great. It was a particular, you know, one of the sort of groups of, of OA. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know the differences in those days. I got in this meeting, and they were talking about the way they ran their program. I got a sponsor, and I did everything she told me to do, right? Whatever she told me to eat, I ate. Whatever she told me, you know, how to do the tools, I did. And I started to, you know, connect with my fellows, and I felt like, wow, this is amazing. You know, too bad I didn't find this, you know, OA, you know, 10 years back. This is great. And I was losing weight, and I was feeling good, and my doctor was thrilled to pieces. 
that I was finally losing some weight and, and I was able to reduce, you know, the meds that I needed for my other condition, you know, because I was losing weight. And things seemed to be going really good. I was absent for like a year and a half and I and I lost, it must have been about, at that point, like 100, 120 pounds. And everything was great until what? Until I started to feel hungry again. And so I'm kind of arguing with my sponsor about food. And I said, I don't know, I should eat. Like, like I was kind of like fiddling around with it, pretending Clara that I was like really interested in making sure I got all my nutritional needs satisfied, but trying to figure out a way to, like, to get more food but not to gain weight, right? So I was thinking, and I said to myself, well, in the old days I was fat and miserable. Now I'm, I love the fellows, but I'm, I'm kind of starting to feel like, you know, than what it was, and, and I didn't think I Esther, we can't hear you. You're an overeaters not in this meeting. Esther, we cannot hear you. And they made, made, made reference to the staff. Esther, can you hear me? Yeah. You are breaking up, and for a while we couldn't hear you. Probably for the last minute or so, we couldn't hear what you were saying. Do you hear me now? Yeah. Do you hear me now? Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, when I my first round in Overeaters Anonymous, I, you know, it felt more like a diet club. We talked a lot about abstinence. We talked about the steps. We referenced the steps, but it wasn't, um, there's no, like, formal way to do the steps. So that was, you know, I was feel the abstinence started to feel a lot harder, what, what they call white-knuckled abstinence. So I was going to this meeting, and I'm, uh, this new meeting I'd never been to, and it was so different. They were talking about, um, something else. They call themselves recovered. Now, what in the world does, world does that mean? What in the world does that mean? In the big book of Overeaters Anonymous, right? Um, the big book that we use, um, it specifically says there the word recovered over and over again, but I always understood that I'm going to have this problem with food forever. And they said, yeah, you could be recovered though, meaning you don't suffer from the disease. You have the disease. You always will have the disease. You'll always be a compulsive overeater. We can cannot pick up your binge food, but you could be recovered. Well, what does that mean to be recovered? Well, it means, right, if you look on page 85 of the big book, to be in a state of a relationship with the food where I'm no longer fighting the food. And I thought, wow, what do I have to do? Sign me up. And I said, you got to do the steps. So I got a sponsor. I did the steps. And let me tell you, everything changed from then. So I don't have time to give a long, uh, you know, um, elaboration of what it means to do the steps. But essentially, a 12-step program, what it does is bring me back into a relationship with the God of my understanding. My problem wasn't that I couldn't stop eating the food. Of course, I can't stop eating the food. They're my binge foods. But listen, when someone knows that they have a nut allergy, they don't need to go to a 12-step program not to eat nuts. They know that they don't eat nuts, whether they're allergic to nuts or fish or strawberries, right? Those types of allergies. Why am I keep going back to the food? So I learned when I read the, the big book that I have an allergy to the body. That's why I'm abstinent. But I also have a mental obsession. 
And what does that mean? That means that even though I put down the food, and even though my life is getting better, and even though I have 40 years of unhappy history with the food, that I am going to go back and pick up my binge foods unless, unless I have a spiritual awakening. So, and there's a lot of description of what it means to have a spiritual awakening, what it means to have a psychic change. And essentially, on page 27, it says that the emotions, ideas, and attitudes that were once the guiding forces of my life are going to be discarded and replaced by new ones. So in step one, I admit that I have a problem. I come to that conclusion. In step two, I come to the conclusion that only a higher power can solve this problem for me. Not help me solve the problem, but solve the problem. So step three, I make a decision. Well, if higher power is going to be the one solving the problem, I ought to turn my will my life over to the care of this higher power. Okay, higher power, you're going to do it. I'm turning my life over to you. You, you, you lead the way. And then step four through nine serve to unblock me for the things that are blocking me from higher power. Right? I want to do the will of higher power, but I'm blocked. And steps four through nine show me where I'm blocked and give me the um, like the process of how to get unblocked. And then in 10, 11, and 12, those are the three things I do on an ongoing basis to deepen that relationship with the God of my understanding. So that's removing the things that block me continuously. That's step 10. Step 11 is building that relationship with higher power through prayer and meditation. And step 12 is being out there, giving whatever I've got to others, right, in program and even in the, you know, in other areas of my life. So the amazing thing was, is everything that they said would come true, right, all those promises came true. So when I read the 10-step promises, how I will not be fighting the food, how it will be easy to, to um, like, refrain from my binge foods, how I will not be tempted by my binge foods, all of that came true. And I want to tell you something. I I've been, had been fat my entire life. I was over 200 pounds for until I came, you know, until I recovered for my entire adult life. And I knew that any program I did, even over anonymous, I knew that I was going to lose weight. I knew how to lose weight, but I never ever dreamed that I would be able to be in a state where I wasn't fighting the food, where I wasn't wishing I was having what everyone else was having. Why? where I wasn't like dreaming from one meal to the next of what I was going to have. That is the greatest gift of this program, the greatest gift. Because, again, I, I'm sure some of you out there also know how to lose weight, right? We all know how to diet. Um, and let me tell you that every area of my life that was affected by the food had improvements like a thousandfold like, of the effort that I put in. So physical, I just told you everything improved. Emotional, spiritual, family, work. I was able to go back to work, get a full-time job that I love. I don't know, I wasn't really able to hold down any jobs before that. So this was, um, to me, the most, uh, you know, the biggest news. You know, Thank I'd you. been, like I said, I'd been in OA for a while, and and it took it took until I did this the 12 steps as they're outlined in the first 164 pages of the big book to finally realize that there is a solution. Who do you pretend to be? Anyways, so I want to, you know, there are probably newcomers on the line 
And just to say, like, I remember that pain of, uh, you know, being in the food, being somewhere with my hand in a bag going, how did I get here again? I also remember being an Overeaters Anonymous and going to a meeting and stopping on the way home after a meeting and getting something. Oh, it's time? Great. Great. So that's my little uh, part. Esther, thank you. We had a disruptor. That was not time, but um, oh. it was close to it. So, All right. Um, I'm going to stop the recording.